Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Happy New Year. Okay, wait. Happy New Year is not here just yet. Okay, it's still 2021 as I am uh, recording this in my new podcast studio. It is snowing outside. It almost feels like a blizzard. I feel like we're snowed in. And I thought, you know what? We only have a couple days left of 2021. Why don't I record an end of the year podcast? And, you know, honestly, I have been recording end of the year podcasts since the Animals to the Max inception back in 2017. Every year I kind of do a recap of highlights and kind of what I've learned. And I kind of was going back and forth on whether or not I should do this because I was thinking to myself, how valuable is that? Is that really interesting for a listener? And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways, and I'll just release this as a bonus episode. So if you do not care what happened in the last 12 months with the animals and I, feel free to bypass this one and check out our awesome episode we have this week about wolves. But I'm just going to go ahead and hang out with you, and I'm happy I'm doing this. I do want to apologize in advance. I am a little nasally. I actually caught a cold. Don't worry. I do not have the coronavirus. I can still taste and I am recovering from this cold. This is day three and I feel better. Although I do sound a little nasally. I feel like I'm channeled by inner Britney Spears. That's not a joke. Free Britney. Wait, she is free. Anyway, so uh, bear with me if I sound a little nasally during this 2021 recap, but let's just get to it. Let's go back all the way to January of 2021. I actually really enjoyed January. It is a slower time of year for me, and it's actually when my wife and I are able to go and travel a little bit. As you can imagine, it's it's hard most of the times to travel when you care for over 30 different exotic animals. And my wife and I also own a separate business from the animals, and that is Snake River Wine Tours, where we focus on taking people around Idaho wine country. It is that's a whole animal in its own. So we very rarely get to travel, especially like you know, during the spring and the summer. So the winter time, things kind of slow down, and we were able to go this year to the Grand Canyon. I'll tell you what, if you have not had a chance to visit the Grand Canyon, I would highly recommend it. You have to put it up on your bucket list. And I guess with this whole thing, I should be telling you what I learned that month. I learned in January that the Grand Canyon is a lot bigger than I ever expected. Now, listen, I know that kind of sounds dumb. Like, well, obviously, Corbin, the Grand Canyon is big. But in my mind, from watching movies as a kid, I thought there was just like one vantage point where you saw the canyon and like that's where everyone got their souvenir photo and that's not the case at all there are miles upon miles of just roads and turnouts and you know pullouts where you can go and get pictures of the Grand Canyon and that was just amazing and I have to say just kind of looking back at that I think my favorite memory in the Grand Canyon was it was in the evening time we were on the south rim and there was no one there the tourists had gone it was just absolutely breathtaking. The sun was setting and it was so quiet, so quiet. You could hear a pin drop and just looking out into the canyon with the Colorado River below. It was absolutely breathtaking. 
I would highly recommend visiting the Grand Canyon. Put that on your bucket list. Another thing I learned in January while visiting the Grand Canyon is to not camp when it is, what, like 10 degrees outside? I'll tell you what, my wife and I thought, oh, this would be great. We'll, uh, we will car camp, which is something I have never done, but people were like, you should just car camp. It could be fun. Well, it turns out the Grand Canyon was incredibly cold. Maybe it was eight degrees. I don't know. It was so cold and we camped in our car and I remember I was trying to start a fire outside because we stayed at a, at a campground and it was so cold. The wood that I brought ended up getting wet. So it took me an hour and a half to actually get the fire started. My wife was like freezing inside the van shaking. I was trying to cook our dinner. And one of the number one things I love making when we camp are these hobo pizzas. It's where we get these like hobo pie makers and I'll put uh, two pieces of bread. I'll put pizza sauce and cheese. It's kind of like a grilled cheese, but like with pizza sauce. And anyway, you put it over the fire and you have this this, like hobo pizza it's delicious and I remember I was so determined in like eight degree weather to try to make these hobos in the Grand Canyon my fire was just it, it my fire was non-existent I remember once it finally started going the smoke was smoking out some other campers down the lane it was just it was not a good situation and I remember that next day we woke up and we're like yep I think we're done with car camping and we're just gonna get a hotel so that's what I learned Grand Canyon was a lot bigger and you know it's not a good time to car camp or camp in that matter in January at the Grand Canyon splurge and get a hotel Williams Arizona by the way would be a fantastic place to do so about an hour outside and they also have the best chocolate malts I've ever had I also want to say that January this year was really a turning point in my social media career I remember specifically I posted a video near the end of January January of me draining the alligator pool and normally I would just do like Instagram stories and take people along but I thought you know what why don't I just film a couple short clips I'll put it on TikTok and kind of see what happens well I filmed how I clean the alligator pool and I literally put it on TikTok closed the app woke up the next morning and just clicked the app and you know just to upload another video and it had nearly 1 million views my jaw completely dropped and I remember it was like a light bulb moment like oh my gosh like people are interested in that and you know something that I find so boring which is something I've done for years like cleaning a pool is interesting to people and I realized like you know not everybody has an alligator house not everybody has to drain an alligator pool and I found that people online are interested with that behind the scenes so January was a huge turning point and really set the stage for the content that I would continue to produce in 2021 I learned in February to start answering my phone that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I remember I got a call from an out of town number and I usually just quickly decline them. I don't want to talk to anybody regarding uh, just a scam or I just like, I don't want to talk to a solicitor. And sometimes I'll get stuck on the phone with people who are like, I have a snake that I blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I prefer all that via email. So I usually don't answer my phone, but I remember I was uh, coming down the hill down towards the Snake River where we live 
and that area is kind of in and out of reception. And I got a call from an out-of-state number. It was from a Omaha, Nebraska number, I believe. Maybe it was Lincoln, Nebraska. Anyway, it was some Nebraska number. I quickly declined, and as I was going down the hill, I got a ding that a voicemail came through. And I was like, oh, this is, okay, whatever. So I clicked the voicemail, and it was from none other than Joel Satari, who is a famous National Geographic photographer. He has been photographing animals for over 30 years for the National Geographic. I've actually tried to get Joel on my podcast and he's just so busy, he was never available. And he called to ask if I had any animals that he thought um, would be interesting for him to photograph for the National Geographic's photo arc. And if you aren't familiar with the photo arc, it is Joel Sartori's contribution to the National Geographic, and I would say to us as a society, to document every single animal under human care, almost like a photo arc, because so many of these animals are threatened or endangered, and a lot of them are going extinct, and he wants to have this this document, this photo arc of all of these species. And his goal is to document every single animal under human care. And he asked if I had any animals that he quite possibly may have never photographed before. And I was kind of going through my list of animals and thinking, well, I'm sure Joel's photographed an alligator. I'm sure he's photographed an alligator snapping turtle. I then mentioned to him, I have a really cool monkey-tailed skink, also called the Solomon Island tree skink. His name is Irwin, by the way. They are a beautiful skink found in the Solomon Islands, which are northeast of Australia, have an awesome monkey-like tail or a prehensile tail. And I said, hey, I have this skink. And he said, well, what subspecies is it? And I did a little digging and realized that I could not figure out what subspecies Irwin was. I thought I just had this regular you know, Solomon Island tree skink, and I had no idea how special Irwin was. I sent photos, and because Irwin's eyes were yellow, and because of his smaller size and his skin pattern, they believed at the National Geographic that this could be an extremely rare subspecies of the Solomon Island tree skink. So I sent photos, the National Geographic actually sent them to their taxonomist all the way in England, and it was verified that Irwin was indeed a very rare type of Solomon Island tree skink. So Joel was in town. We met up that next day in Boise and I brought Irwin and Joel actually photographed Irwin, my Solomon Island tree skink for the National Geographic's photo arc. I also brought another animal that he had never photographed and that was a Panay blue tarantula from the Philippines. That was interesting because a year prior I had rescued five tarantulas that someone had just left abandoned in a basement and apparently one of those tarantulas were pretty rare. So Joel photographed the tarantula and also photographed Irwin the Solomon Island tree skink and I believe he told me that Irwin's photo was the 11,400 photo that he has taken for the photo art which was so cool and that's actually going to be coming out next year they're going to send us photos. I am so proud and because I did Joel a favor which by the way he did me a favor because I was like how cool is it to have this really rare lizard featured in the National Geographic photo arc he agreed to do my podcast and I had a awesome conversation talking with Joel so I learned to answer my phone in February because you never know who could call you know so anyway that was an awesome experience 
I also want to say that this February, my wife and I took a little side trip to Mexico. We went down to Cancun, or a little bit lower than Cancun, I believe. Where did we stay? Puerto Morelos? Kind of near Puerto Morelos, I hope. Yeah, I'm saying that right. And it was such an amazing time. By the way, we got a killer deal. Our room had a private pool and we were on a beach. So it was like a swim out pool with the beach and we got a killer deal because of COVID. We got like the room for a crazy rate. I, I want to say it was like almost a thousand dollars, maybe a little bit more for us both to be at an all-inclusive for five days with this room on the beach with the swim out pool. It was amazing. We actually looked back at the deal to see like, oh, maybe we'll go back again this winter and the room completely tripled. But I was really aware to not post that on social media, honestly, because we're, we were just at this time where it was like so taboo to travel and it was just like, ah, not good. And I also did not want to be on my phone. And that was so awesome to have a break. I mean, for anyone listening or if you're going on a vacation, I think it's so important to take a break from social media and it just helps with everything. It helps with like mental peace and your mental health. And so I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed that our room was right next to a band or troop of Kawadis. They're the South American relative of the raccoon, and these Kawadis were everywhere on our resort. And I just, oh my God, they were running around everywhere. They would like jump in the trash cans to steal like pieces of food that, you know, tourists wouldn't eat. And it was so cool seeing Kawadis. I actually set up my GoPro and they were like checking out my GoPro, running over the GoPro. It was so much fun. I don't, think the resort staff really likes Kawadis, but anyway, that was pretty neat. Another thing I remember, you know, being in Cancun, I wanted to see a crocodile. So I kept on asking people, can I see a crocodile? Where are the crocodiles? Because, you know, in Mexico, they do have crocs and they have big crocodiles. The American crocodiles are down there. And it turns out I was asking everybody everywhere I went where the crocodiles were. Well, apparently crocodile is a term for drug lords in Mexico. So apparently I was going around Cancun asking people where all the drug lords were. That was definitely not my intent. I wanted to see a crocodile. And unfortunately, we did not see a crocodile, but maybe that gives us an excuse to go back. Another side note really quick is uh, this time to Mexico, I didn't drink alcohol and it was amazing, like feeling great every day. I remember the last time I was in Mexico, I went for my sister's wedding and I drowned myself in tequila and oh my goodness, I haven't had it since. And anyway, it just felt so good. So if you do go to an all-inclusive resort, I highly recommend taking it easy so you feel great, you feel refreshed and rejuvenated, and it will honestly make your vacation 110% better. March, I learned in March that you can have an awesome spring break without going to, you know, the top spring bake spring bake sorry guys it's oh my gosh i can't even talk without going to the top spring break destinations like south beach or you know daytona beach we went in march to the middle of nebraska 
for spring break and it was the most amazing spring break I have ever had and that was because we documented the greatest animal migration in North America that is right let me say that one more time the second greatest wildlife migration in the world we documented in the middle of Nebraska and that is when over 1 million sandhill cranes fly to Nebraska to the Platte River to rest to recoup to build up on their fat reserves before they make their journey north we were actually contacted by the Nebraska tourism people and they asked me to go on assignment for the animals to the max podcast to travel to the middle of Nebraska to document the sandhill crane migration and I said absolutely and I was thinking to myself my goodness I'm an animal person I have never heard about this migration in my life and it turns out a lot of people haven't and I'm so happy we went there to document it if you want to learn more about that migration and learn about the awesome people at the crane trust they're doing amazing work to try to restore the native wetlands of what once was the American prairie lands uh, please check out those podcasts back in March because I think we did two of them but I'd highly recommend it. We saw cranes and it's, you know, I have to say it was one of those things where I haven't experienced that feeling of seeing, you know, so many animals together, like the mass numbers since I was in Africa, witnessing the great migration of the wildebeest and the zebra. So to see thousands and thousands of cranes in the Platte River was amazing. Another thing I learned really quick was just making sure when you are photographing the cranes or in my sense I was filming the cranes to make sure your flash on your iPhone is off if you go back to the episode where I talk about my experience we went in a blind in the morning to see the birds we went into this bird blind to see the cranes and they specifically said do not have flashes on your phones you're going to spook the cranes and I was like oh no problem so I turned all my flashes off this and that well as we're in the blind and we're with all these you know famous journalists and photographers and everyone's waiting in this blind to capture that amazing moment when the cranes take off at sunrise I turned my phone on to try to record some audio and my flash went off and spooked thousands of cranes. My heart sank. I was mortified. I could not even like, I'm, I'm sweating thinking about it. I felt like the biggest loser in the world. And I remember thinking, oh my God, they're like going to fire me. Like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. Like I ruined the moment and Luckily, it turned out this guy who had been photographing for the Autobahn Bird Society, he ended up putting accidentally having his flash go off 20 minutes after mine. So it made me feel so much better because this guy has been photographing birds for 20 years. And I'm like, okay, good. At least I'm not the only one with the flash. But word to the wise, watch that flash, especially if you are in a bird blind in the middle of Nebraska waiting for the Sandhill Cranes to take off. In April, as things started warming up, the alligators and animals became more active. I learned that I was going to have some serious pump and filtration issues with the alligator pool. And what was happening was we put this great beach sand 
on the land for our alligators to bask on because who would not want to be on beach sand, right? And I didn't realize that what was going to happen is the alligators going in and out of the pool were going to kick a bunch of that sand back into the pool. And what happens is the, the pump that I have underneath the alligator ramp on Sonny, the alligator side, was sucking up all that sand and was actually getting clogged with sand and debris. So we, and when I say we, me and my buddy Elias, who I'm sure you guys know Elias, he's been featured in a bunch of my videos, had to jump into the alligator pool to fix the pump. So April would be the start of one of many attempts to try to fix the pump and unclog that. What happens though is it makes for really exciting content and people love those videos. And it's funny, I remember someone wrote me and you know they were like, this is all fake, this is you're just pretending that the pump is clogged and it was just something I had to laugh at because it was like actually this is completely real and you know I've been unclogging filters and cleaning animal pools and pumps for years even before social media so this is something that comes with the maintenance of having these animals and it turns out that people really do enjoy those videos. In May I really learned to start stepping up my YouTube game and this was really important because not only do, you know, people like the behind the scenes maintenance videos, but for these YouTube vlogs, it has to be exciting. The subject needs to grab your attention. And so in May, we decided to bring a baby alligator to a hotel in Boise. And that was quite the experience. I actually called my buddy Tyler, who runs the Idaho Reptile Zoo here in Boise, Idaho. And he has a rescued baby alligator named Hiccup. So I said, hey, Tyler, can I borrow Hiccup? Because, well, my alligators are too big. You know, my male alligator, Sonny, he's almost 10 feet and Chomper's a seven feet. So they're way too big to travel. And I thought, hey, I'll just ask Tyler, see if I can borrow Hiccup, his baby alligator, who is maybe two feet. And he said, absolutely. So we decided to take this baby alligator on a leash to the fanciest hotel in town, which is the Inn at 500. If you're ever in Idaho, definitely stay at the Inn at 500. It is a super awesome place. And on a side note, it's actually where Garth Brooks stayed when he did his stadium shows here a few years ago. So just a side note, but it was so cool. We walked Hiccup into the Inn at 500 and it turned out to be a really fun YouTube video. And it, it was funny because the Inn at 500, they claimed that they're pet friendly and we wanted to see what they would say and capture their authentic reactions when we brought a baby alligator into the hotel. And by the way, we didn't just show up without them knowing. We did let the director of sales and marketing, Amy, know that we were going to come into the hotel, but she didn't tell any of the hotel staff, especially the people checking us in. So that was such a good video. Definitely go check that out on our YouTube channel. But once again, kind of just stepping up the YouTube game in May. I learned in June that people are ready to get out. I think a lot of us have been just locked up with this quarantine and people are ready to get out and do things. And it was so awesome. In June, I signed a contract with a awesome place here. It's called the Village at Meridian. It's this giant kind of shopping center, but they do themed community events. And they asked me to do animal shows. And I signed an eight week contract where 
every week I would do a Wild Wednesday show and feature a few of my animals and have some special guests. And so we had some amazing animals planned, including my own animals. So a Savannah monitor lizard, a 13 foot python, an alligator snapping turtle. I also booked a golden eagle. We had a peregrine falcon. We had a camel an alpaca named Pierre. We had all these animals and we really didn't know what the turnout would be. And I should say that all of these shows were taking place outside. We all were, you know, socially distanced. We had barriers and stuff and this and that. But I'll tell you what, it was so awesome to see the turnout and to see everyone out with their families just wanting to enjoy these free community events. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, you know, eight weeks does sound like a lot, but I, I look forward to it every week to see sometimes the same people who would show up. But honestly, people were so into the animals and the village at Meridian was super happy. And I really enjoyed those live animal shows. I think, you know, you know, ever since this whole coronavirus and since this pandemic, I've really switched a lot of my focus from doing live shows in person and from doing shows on television to doing virtual stuff, whether that's me filming something online for YouTube or for TikTok, or whether that's me doing a virtual animal show. And I really learned in June how much I missed doing live animal shows, which I still love to do. And I'm so happy people came out to see them. Fingers crossed that we're able to continue Wild Wednesdays at the Village at Meridian in 2022. On a side note, I do want to say that the animals we used for Wild Wednesdays weren't truly wild. They were actually all animal ambassadors that are used to people, that are used for educational programs. We didn't bring any animals that would freak out or didn't want to be there. We actually used these animals that were trained to do these programs. And that was really, really enjoyable to work with them. And you can almost tell that some of the animals missed it. Like when you are working with Clyde the camel, he is so into crowds and he is so into the interaction and eating from kids and, you know, picking carrots from people's hands and taking photos. He is really into it. And I'll tell you what, Clyde the camel, he's almost 2000 pounds. He doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. If he doesn't want to be there, he'll just leave. July was absolutely monumental. And probably, did my voice just squeak for that one? Oh, whatever. July was monumental. It is when we were finally able to install the alligator door to allow Sonny, our 10-foot American alligator, access outside. And this has been a long time coming. The indoor alligator house itself took my dad and I two and a half years to complete. We recessed a 38-foot long pool in the ground, built the land up around it, the foundation, and built a 1,000-square-foot building around this pool. And that's where we house Sonny, our 10-foot alligator, our male, and Chompers, our 7-foot female alligator. And that was a huge accomplishment to move them in. Well, you know, once we moved them in, immediately people were starting to say, okay, well, that's great, but when are they going to be able to get outside? And in the back of my mind, I always planned to have them outside. But my main concern was to honestly finish the alligator house because it took us like two and a half years to build them this brand new giant home. And the reason why I should say it took us so long was because it was one, self-funded, two, it was just my dad and I, we would occasionally have, you know, some friends help out, but it was 
us working on the weekends after we had a long work week we would you know who wants to go and work in 110 degree heat in idaho to build this alligator house so it really did take a long time to build so we had initially planned to just get the alligator house finished but once we moved them in yes we decided that you know what we should probably get the alligators outside so plans went underway now before you build an alligator door for the alligators to go outside you have to have a yard for them to go outside you can't just have them out and you know we're located right on the snake river so i'm assuming fish and game probably wouldn't like us to just have the alligators outside without protection from them escaping so it wasn't just simple to build one yard. We had to build multiple yards, one for Sonny, one for Chompers, but then we had to build another yard which was acts as a perimeter fence around their outdoor yards to prevent them from escaping and to prevent Napoleon the emu from sticking her head over the fence and getting her head chomped. So it was a huge, huge undertaking to get these outdoor yards done. It was really expensive and this year, because there was such a demand for wood products and to get the fencing material, they were several weeks out. We had to order this fence specially. So we finally got the fence in. We were able to get the fence up where we were able to double fence it. And then it was finally time to start the alligator door. And it has to be probably one of my favorite videos that we filmed in 2021. I think it was seen a total by over 30.5 million people across all platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram Reels. And to get Sonny outside was such a big accomplishment. And it was a long time coming. And we were so happy to see him go outside. And it only took him, I think, one attempt for me to try to convince him outside with a piece of food and he came flying right through the door and he learned very quickly that that's where he has access outside. So in the summer, he continued to bask, which was amazing. I was able to see him. He had a routine of going out in the morning. He would bask until noon or one o'clock, then go back inside the alligator house to cool down and then dip in the water around three or 4 p.m. So it was so cool to see Sonny, the alligator, get access outside in July. Now, of course, we have to give Chompers access outside. And I learned in August that the online audience does not skip a beat and they're very impatient. So the second we got Chompers outside, or actually, I'm sorry, the second we got Sonny outside, everyone said, okay, okay, what about Chompers? And that is when we started working on Chompers door. To be completely honest, those videos are kind of a pain to film because you're focused on doing this construction project. I mean, you're handling a saw, you're busting through a wall, you're making sure you don't hit electrical, you're watching your back because you're working inside an alligator habitat. I mean, Chompers is literally watching you, but you're also trying to film this. You're also trying to capture it. And there were I mean, so much footage to actually sift through and to try to edit that and convince that down into a one minute video is actually a lot harder than people think. So those videos are a pain to film, but it is the most fulfilling to see them actually done. And you get the final product of Chompers actually going outside. Now I should say, I completely jumped to conclusions because Chompers was really wary about going outside. It took her two to three weeks after we opened that door 
for her to be comfortable outside. She wasn't as bold as Sonny. We even added alligator sand, which my back I think is still hurting from hauling all that sand. I literally had to shovel every inch of that sand and you know into her yard. I think we got, what did we get? I think we got like, I don't know, 10 or 12 yards? Is that, no, I think, no, we got a lot of sand and we had to shovel that, it was crazy. But Chompers the alligator did eventually go outside and we love documenting that whole entire process. In September, I learned that buying a house or I should say searching for a house is not fun and it is not easy. So secretly kind of behind the scenes, my wife and I were looking to find a new home, a, a, a bigger house, a place with acreage where we could house the majority of our animals. A lot of people, I guess don't know this, but the animals are located on five acres of my family's property along the Snake River in Idaho. And I have not lived on that property for several years. My wife and I lived a few miles down the road. So I never actually lived with the animals. Well, I, I did, but it was several years ago. So I had not lived though with the animals on that property for I'd say five or six years. And we were trying to find a new place where we could live. And in this market, especially here in Idaho, the Boise area, the Treasure Valley area is booming. It is one of the most desired places to live. And it's funny, back in the day, several years ago, USA Today did this whole feature on Meridian, Idaho. That's actually where I graduated high school in Meridian, go Mavericks, Mountain View High School. Anyway, long story short, USA Today did this big thing like, yay, Meridian's the best place to live in America. And I know I remember reading that thinking, oh, I'm so proud. That's so cool. They highlighted us. Well, now I'm kind of mad because now they really um, unveiled this secret that we had that Idaho is a great place to live. So everyone has flocked here by the thousands. The prices of homes are astronomical. It's hard to find a place. You are, you know, constantly being uh, bid out of houses with people coming from different states with cash. So anyway, I know this is not a, what is it like a, like a real estate podcast, but it was definitely hard to find a home, but we had finally found a place, a home with acreage that we liked in September. And that was just amazing after months of searching. And it was a huge accomplishment to finally secure a house and to get that whole process started. In the meantime, we had to keep everything under wraps. I didn't want to announce anything and say we were moving all the animals or I should say 95% of them until the deal was secure, until everything was set in stone. But September was busy because we found our new house and our new property. And as you'll learn, or I guess here in October, it set the stage for the busiest month of our lives, trying to move the animals. Did I say October was the busiest month of my life? Yes. Okay, I'll say that one more time. October was the busiest month. Not only were we continuing to film for YouTube and for TikTok, I was pushing out content every day. By the way, that's what I usually do. Every day I'll post a new video and each video I post, it usually has to do something with the story or it has to really be interesting to capture viewers' interest. So it's not just me posting some random video. A lot of thought goes out into that. So not only am I, you know, you know, I guess starting to become a full-time content creator, I'm pushing out videos daily. I am continuing to do live animal shows. We are running our business, Snake River Wine Tours. We are also moving. And that was huge. Now, 
not only are we moving our house and all of our things, we are moving over 30 different exotic animals to our new property. This meant hiring a company to pick up our animal buildings, which look like log cabins, and taking them to our new property. And I'm so happy I was able to document the whole process of everything. And you can check that out. I will put the links in the show notes, but you can just head on over to my YouTube channel. It was crazy to see them pick up these buildings, put them on trailers, and take them to our new place. That was a lot. And we, in the meantime, as we were moving the buildings, had to move all the animals into the alligator house. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I should just document me picking up every animal and moving them from the animal house to the alligator house because the alligator house, I should say, is staying where it is on my family's property. We're not moving the alligator house. We were just moving our other animal buildings. And because the alligator house is warm, it served as the perfect place to house our other animals while we move their buildings because you can't move the animal buildings with the animals inside of them. Although I'll tell you what, the movers were like, hey, can't we just move the tortoises with them inside? It would probably be great for YouTube views. And I didn't argue with them because honestly, it would have probably done great with YouTube views. But for the animal safety, we moved the animals into the alligator house so we could move the animal houses empty. And mind you, we had the animals all in travel crates. We didn't just have them all loose in the alligator house. But I remember thinking, yeah, maybe I should document this. So it was just me. I had my phone stand and I just documented me moving every animal out of the animal house and walking them over to the alligator house. Now, mind you, it took a lot of time. I had to set up the phone stand at different angles. I had to do a bunch of editing and clips, blah, 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 blah. This video was a nightmare to film and to honestly to edit together. But I put it out anyways, and it turned out that video hit the YouTube trending page behind Bruno Mars, which blew my mind. And it's almost like those things that, you know, if you put a lot of time, a lot of work and effort into things, sometimes they do actually pay off. And that was a huge instance where it did pay off, but we were able to move the animals and it got a lot of traction. A lot of people were interested in this process. A lot of people were wondering if we were getting rid of the alligators. And my answer to that was absolutely not. A lot of people were confused at why we were moving. And once again, we were moving because we found a house with more land that we would like to house our animals at and all of our animals eventually and we took the animals we could take and we left the alligators because literally we just put so much time into that new building and we have so much invested in that area but yes down the road we will eventually move the animals and I should say the alligators to a new facility. You have to stay tuned, but that is uh, why we moved. And you could check out all that stuff on my YouTube channel. I also want to say that October kind of hit the start of the holidays. And for a content creator, that means going into overdrive. So it was insane pumping out so many themed holiday videos, which was fun. Halloween was a really good time. We filmed Chucky Feeds the Alligators a steak. 
We filmed the animals in Halloween costumes. We even did a Harry Potter skit, which was my favorite YouTube video I've ever filmed. It was me and all my YouTube buddies dressed up as Harry Potter, and it was such a good time, and we filmed that with the alligators. But October really definitely uh, was the month, the beginning of all of those Halloween-themed videos, and I should say holiday-themed videos. I learned in November that it is okay to take kind of a little break and to not have a complete panic attack. What was happening is we were filming so many videos, especially with Thanksgiving coming up and all of these holiday themed videos. I mean, I made a tofurkey a vegan turkey for my pet turkey Tom. We were filming so much and we were still in the middle of moving and getting everything organized. I learned that it's okay to take a break. So if you are a fan of the Animals to the Max podcast, you'll know in November, I took a few weeks off and I was really hesitant about it. But for my mental health, I was like, I literally just needed to have the time to get everyone adjusted to their new homes, to get my wife and I adjusted because we were still moving in and still doing stuff with this house, like painting, doing some remodeling stuff. And I learned that it's okay to take a couple weeks off. And so that's why in November, I believe I only uploaded maybe one podcast or two podcasts, but that's the reason why we also did not have any internet and we just got internet a couple weeks ago. So at this new house, we live in a very rural area out here in Idaho internet is scarce. So for over almost two months, we did not have internet. So that made it extremely difficult to record interviews because I record my podcast interviews via Skype. And so I'd have to coordinate my podcast interviews with being at the alligator house because they have their own satellite for internet. But then I learned when you record in the alligator house, it is big and echoey. Also their pump was on during one of my interviews. I think it was with Jennifer from Reptacular Animals. I'm so sorry, Jennifer, but there is a humming noise in your interview and that as well because the alligator pump was on it still was kind of cool to see sonny right there but i learned that the alligator house is probably not the best place to record an interview in december i honestly learned that i should probably pre-tape or pre-film all of my holiday christmas content back in August or September because the alligators around this time of year just aren't as active. And it's not because the building where they're living right now is cold. I mean, we try to keep it around 75 to 80 degrees. I'm constantly adding in warm water. It's just that the alligators naturally know it's cooler outside. The days are shorter. They are not as active. They aren't eating as much. And this is completely normal. This is what happens. I've actually talked to friends who have alligators and work with alligators at zoos. This happens in the wild. They'll just go through this dormant period. And I learned that, man, in the summer, I was totally taking advantage of all the times and great opportunities we were able to film with the alligators, with them eating at every chance we would give them, with us you know, filming all this great content and stuff. I really took advantage of them being so active because in the wintertime, let's just be honest, it's kind of incredibly boring. They stay in their water. They're not eating as much. Typically, they'll eat two to three times a week in the summer, if not more, 
in the winter time that completely slows down sonny went through a period where he did not eat for almost actually i think it was a month which is nothing to be alarmed about these animals are incredibly resilient and in the wild they can go without food for months they can live off their fat reserves and sonny he if you guys have seen a video of sonny he is extremely healthy and he has plenty maybe too many fat reserves to live off of so don't worry though sonny actually just ate two days ago we just fed him a steak so he is eating nothing to be alarmed about but I did learn in December that, you know, I should probably have filmed all of my holiday content back in September or August. And we actually had this video planned where Santa gives the alligators presents. We filmed everything. I have my buddy Elias hop on the alligator roof. I had him dress as Santa and we had this plan of him going in and giving the alligators these presents, which were these giant enrichment balls. I went online and got these balls that they give zoo tigers and lions, like these indestructible balls that the alligators could, I don't know, quote unquote, play with. I mean, you know, it's good enrichment kind of to stimulate them, maybe to see what they would do. And we thought, oh, this would be great. Santa will give them these balls. We'll record it. It'd be a great YouTube video. It turns out the alligators were not interested at all. And when they're not interested, they just go underwater and they submerge. And so that video actually never came to life. We have the footage of Elias up there on the roof and that's super fun. But the alligators, yep, yeah, they weren't having anything to do with filming that day. So I'll probably have to reshoot that video and have that come out for Christmas 2022. But definitely I've learned this time around, this year in 2022, I'm going to pre-tape a bunch of that stuff, especially when the alligators are extremely active. Well, that's it. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and listening to my end of the year recap. I just want to thank you so much uh, for your ears. I want to thank you for just continuing to listen to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you are watching us on YouTube, I appreciate you as well. We just hit, I just checked. Let me, you know what? Let's check right now. Why not? Let's do it. Let me just look at my phone really quick. We just hit which is insane. Let me look here. Analyze. We just hit 132 million monthly YouTube views. That is insane. It blows my mind. I remember when only 30 people would watch my YouTube videos and half of those were from me and probably the other half were from my mom. So the fact that over 132 people are 132 million, I should say, are watching these videos is insane. So thank you. Thank you so much. As I record this, we are approaching 1 million subscribers. It is a dream come true. My whole life, I've wanted a show and I wanted a TV show. And it's insane how with this day and age with YouTube, it's, it's like I have my own TV show. I'm able to document the lives of my animals and share my passion for them and share the animals with viewers around the world. And so it's actually, I don't know, I feel like this is better than having a television show is just having this YouTube channel. So thank you so much. I appreciate you for subscribing. I also wanna thank every single one of you for watching us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It means the world. I am so excited for 2022 and I cannot wait for the content that we are going to put out there. 
I should say my goals for 2022, I'm just going to put it out there, probably to get an outdoor pool for Sonny and Chompers. That would be really cool. I'm going to contact a local pool company, nothing big. Like I'm not talking about like a 40 foot long, whatever Olympic size pool. I'm just talking about, you know, like a kidney shaped pool outside that the alligators could enjoy one for Sonny and one for chompers. So I would love to see that happen in 2022. I would love to continue to produce content. We are approaching half a billion views on YouTube. So I'm going to put it out there. I would love to hit a billion views in 2022. I'm going to put it out there. I also would like to finally book the Irwins for a podcast interview. I have been trying for years to book Terry or to book Indy. I just called her Indy. Oh my God. To book Bindi on the show. Honestly, I'm at the point where I'll take like a third cousin. As long as you're an Irwin, please come on the show. So I'm going to put that out there that I would love to interview the Irwins on 2022. I also can't wait to do some things around our new property to make some new outdoor exhibits for our animals in the summer. That will include a new outdoor alligator snapping turtle pond, a new common snapping turtle pond, and a new water turtle pond for our red-eared slider Seymour and our pink-bellied side-neck turtle Noodle. So I have three ponds I would like to build and some new outdoor habitats for our Savannah Monitor and our Green Iguana. And I also would like to get the new tortoise facility finished. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have like, there's so many things I guess I have to do. I better get to doing them. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this end of the year recap. It's because of listeners like you that I continue to record the show. I love hearing from you, whether it's a DM on Instagram or whether it's just an email with a podcast guest suggestion. It means the world to me. I hope you have a fantastic new year. Be safe. And I cannot wait to talk to you in 2022. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.